Hey, and welcome to the Seats to Streets podcast, a conversation centered around adding a voice and practical tools through your earbuds on the subject of missions in the established church. Many pastors and pastoral staff want to do more in the area of local and global missions, but feel overwhelmed at where to start and how. Listen in and learn key practices and new perspectives from missionaries and ministers working to move people from Sunday morning seats to local and global streets. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Seats to Streets podcast. I am your host, J.R. Horn, and across the lens for me today is a good friend of mine. And I feel like I say a good friend of mine quite a bit on these podcasts because as you're starting out hosting a podcast, you call all your friends and you have interviews with them. So across the lens for me today is the Connections Minister at Wentzville Christian Church in Wentzville, Missouri. Randy uh, has uh, been a friend since Kentucky Christian University, and he now finds himself out in Missouri as the Connections Minister of Wentzville Christian Church. So today, we're going to have a conversation, and I'm going to ask him the same two questions you've heard me ask ministers for the past 19 episodes, and that is, what are you doing to move your people from Sunday morning seats to local and global streets, and then at the end... I always put the screws to ministers and say, in 30 seconds, can you give the churches and the pastors that are listening their next step on how to be strategic and intentional with their local and global missions like you've just said? So without further ado, hi, Randy. How are you, buddy? Good stuff, JR. I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for asking me to be a part of this and jumping in. Uh, I think you're doing some great work. I uh, love the podcast. Love what you're doing. Uh, with team expansion and where you're taking this. And so I'm excited to be here. But yeah, well, I appreciate you, that, man. To, to give you a quick rundown of of where I'm at, you're right. I was, so I grew up in Michigan, went to Kentucky Christian, uh, did youth ministry down in uh, Florida and Missouri for about seven years. Uh, worked at the NACC for a while, uh, mm-hmm. well, you know, pre-Spire. And then right. uh, have been out here in Wentzville, for uh, about five and a half years as the Connections Minister, and uh, that's always a fun title that doesn't really uh, necessarily mean anything or means a different thing at each church. Uh, <laughs> so what that means here is I oversee uh, missions, assimilation, first impressions, pastoral care, benevolence, and community outreach, uh, and whatever else I get my hands in. Uh, Man, you uh, that is a grab bag of ministerial responsibilities. It is. It is. But I love it because it's, it's something different each week. And uh, I never always know what my week's going to look like, but I know it's going to uh, it's going to have a lot of interesting opportunities. And so I've really enjoyed enjoyed those opportunities I've had. That's cool. I, I, I always gravitate to some of those positions where you do get a different flavor of responsibility from week to week. I might my ADHD brain just kicks in and says, all right, let's, let's think about something else. So those are, those are sometimes alluring for sure. So, well, man, and and I know you and I go way back and actually we go way back uh, to about a month ago when I was out there speaking to your missions team and leading them through a workshop called uh, becoming a high impact missions team. And we'll get to that here in a little bit. Uh, but I want to talk to you a little bit about what what is what is your heart for missions when you when you're there at Wentzville and you oversee missions what drives you to do missions better? That's a that's a great question and and to give you again a little more of the history when I came in I was the first minister that was really put to oversee missions as 
more than just a liaison or making sure it happened. Okay. Now, I was on the missions team. I was there to, to do that. And one of the things I, that uh, the elders talked about in our interview was they wanted me to partner with our missions. Hmm. And I said, you got to understand what that means. I, I'm good with it. You have to understand what that means. I said, right now, we are investors. We do a great job of writing a check and sending it over there. And, and that's good. I said, but if we're going to be a partner, we need to take that next step. And I said, we're not going to stop investing. <laughs> we're going to keep investing. But if we're going right. to partner, we're also going to go. And right. so uh, my heart has been to make sure the missionaries we support are not just cared for financially, but are also cared for spiritually and emotionally as they're on the field. And so we have uh, since gone on quite a few mission trips. In the last five and a half years, we've been to, to Mexico twice, India twice, Taiwan and Dubai, uh, as well as many of our local missions as well. And, and we've gotten there to make some of those connections and, and build those, those moments where we can uh, look at our missionaries face-to-face, look at those they are serving face-to-face and say, hey, we're just here to love you. And mm-hmm. uh, it's been fun because people ask me all the time, well, what are we going to do on this trip before we go? And I'm always kind of like, I don't know, whatever the missionary needs us to do. Right. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, when we've gone to India, uh, Mexico, we've done some building projects because they needed some building projects. And we've worked on some of that. When we went to Taiwan, I coached basketball and taught the Bible because they did a sports English camp with teenagers. Uh, mm-hmm. When we went to Dubai, we just kind of followed around Tim and, and saw the ministry he was doing and met people from the church and participated in some baptisms. Uh, but really, we're there just to let our missionaries know that we love them, that we fully support them, and we're just interested in what they're doing. They don't need to have a project for us. They don't need to show us something amazing. Uh, they just need to do what they do, and we want to support them any way we can. Man, that's key because a lot of times when we think and approach mission trips, we think, what can we get done? We're going down for a week. We only got a week. We got to get a lot of stuff done. There's a lot of mission trips that focus on construction, which is needed, absolutely needed, but it's not the only type of missions trip that a church can go on. Going over and encouraging your missionaries, being with them, praying with them, seeing the mission in 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 action does wonders for individuals who have who have left their their home culture here in the United States and have traveled overseas to a cross-cultural setting to to be their new normal now. So those, man, those, man, those trips are needed. So kudos to you on, 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 uh, taking that approach and and your mission strategy. So let me, let me hit you with the first question. And that is, you know, what are you doing now? I know you talked about Winsville has kind of changed that. So you can give us maybe a little bit of the history of that, but what are you doing now to intentionally move your people from Sunday morning seats to local and global streets? You know, that's, that's a good, good question there. And you know how this is, JR, it's, it's experimentation, right? You're trying to find right. different things to go and do. And as I came in being the first minister, really overseeing missions, it was, how do we get uh, more information out there? How do we uh, become more relevant and more aware to our people? And so we've tried all sorts of things with mission spotlights from when missionaries come in, they get five minutes, three to five minutes on the stage and they set up a booth to, uh, one thing that we do, we do our own, we do sermon-based life groups. So we make our own life group books and we put one of hmm. our missions in a little blurb, blurb about them in each weekly life wow. group uh, lesson as part of the prayer time. Uh, you know, just little things like that. Something new that we're doing this year. Uh, our, we have a, a prayer team and, you know, prayer teams are different in each church. Our prayer mm-hmm. team yeah, sure. means 
we have a bunch of people that we send emails to that pray over things. Mm -hmm. uh, and our prayer team this year has taken it on that once a month, we are asking one of our missions for a video uh, that explains what's going on locally with them, what we can be praying about specifically, and to give us a quick snapshot. And mm -hmm. so we've done that for four months now, and our people are loving it. Our missionaries are loving it because that they know they're getting asked specific questions, and they're getting prayed for specifically for what they're being asked uh, to do. And so that's been really good. So we've already had our, our missions that we support from uh, Mexico, India, and uh, Dubai send in a, a video. And it's just a right. quick three-minute video, but they, they start off with, hey, Winsville Christian Church Prayer Team. And then they right. just tell us what's going on. And our mm. people have just been drawn to it. And, wow. and so I think it's extremely important to get awareness built up. It's hard for right. people to support or pray or care about anything that they don't know about. Mm -hmm. And man, that is key. And you know, it is so hard to get it out to people. You can say something 15 times and they're like, I never heard you say that. And you want to punch them in the face, but that's not what you should do. <laughs> you should take time and just keep looking for different mediums and different ways to share that. So that's one thing we're doing. Another thing that we're doing is we want to really develop our leadership around here and let people take ownership on that. So we've started a thing this year called lead lunches and hmm. lead lunch. They're offered every other month and they're focusing on servant leadership principles and characteristics. And they're bringing our leaders and our high capacity people together, putting them in one room in our, in our church and getting some conversation started. And so we're, we're covering a book called seven pillars of servant leadership by Sipe and Frick. And we're going through some of those, uh, personality traits, and we're getting our leaders to talk with each other. And then throughout the the two months in between, they're going through another book called Sermon of All uh, by Ralph Enlow Jr. And it's only like 130 pages, so nobody can mm -hmm. complain that it's too long to read. <laughs> uh, but they're they're doing some Zoom lead groups and or, or even in person, and uh, they're discussing the questions at the end of the chapter. But my goal for that is to get our our leaders and our high capacity people talking with each other, so that when opportunities come up and a chance for something to get done arises that somebody in our church will go, Hey, I know a guy or I know oh, a lady who'd be great at this smart plug it together. Uh, am I worried about, do I think our content is uh, world-class and groundbreaking? No, it's not. Mm -hmm. It's simple leadership stuff, but it's getting people in the room together. So relationships are being built. And Man, that's, that's brilliant, dude. I mean, the fact that you're being that intentional with putting your, um, uh, missionaries in front of your people, specifically your prayer team, and then and then being intentional on getting some leaders in the room for networking, so that when need, needs arise, they come back and go, "Oh yeah, I know that person. Um, I'll call her right now." I mean, that's that's great, dude. And honestly, it helps us. I, I, all of our staff have been invited to it, and uh, you know we're helping lead it, and it helps our staff get to know the leaders in the in the church as yes. well. And it it builds those relationships, so it's a lot. I hate to say this, but it's a lot harder to say no. Oh, yeah. Oh, Just oh, a blanket yeah. no. Like mm -hmm. people really consider what you're asking them. And then a third thing we're doing that we just started last year. We have our second year coming up. Uh, in June, we do what we call Serve Saturdays. And hmm. each Saturday in the month of June, we have different areas, local areas that we can go do service projects. And so our goal is to have everybody in our church to pick at least one Saturday to go serve either as a family, as a life group, as a ministry team. 
uh, and go make a difference. And so we have our local church camp we're going to one week. Another week we're going to downtown St. Louis and doing work at an organization called Love the Lou. Uh, another, another one is we're going out to this Strong Tower Ranch that uses horses for horse therapy and, and uh, things like that. We're going to a, a couple other places that they house pregnant women who are in, mm-hmm. in rough situations. And we just want to go out and serve somewhere. And mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons our people don't serve is we don't always provide them enough opportunities or we provide one opportunity every three months and it might not work like that. And so for us, we know how crazy Saturdays are in June. Right. We know how families are. Pick one, find one, right. bring your kids with you. Let's make a difference. Man, that's cool. Come back, come back to me real quick with the, this idea of um, ensuring that your prayer team uh, has specific information from your missionaries. Now, Randy, I, let's be honest. That's a lot of work. I mean, communicating with your missionaries, asking for a video, especially when some missionaries are remote, extremely remote, internet's choppy, um, getting all that, getting it formatted, and then getting it into the hands of your prayer team. I mean, that can be a, a lot of work. What? So tell me two things. What What is driving that decision? Why are you going through that much effort for that? And then what's the payoff? Like, what are you seeing come out on the other side from that? Uh, Good stuff. Good question. So first of all, what's driving that is I believe when we give out generic prayer information, while while it's not bad, it just gets glazed over. People just Mm -hmm. kind of read through it quickly. You know, when, when we just say, Hey, Hey, pray for this family in India or, or pray for this family who's living in downtown St. Louis, which isn't far from us. It's okay. We can pray for them and, in that but if we don't know specific prayer needs we don't actually mm-hmm. believe they exist like mm-hmm. we know they exist but it's like when you tell me paris exists like i believe paris is there but i'm not in paris so i'm not worried about paris. right uh but if i can have specific things to pray about so that when i get because i think a lot of people are like me when i get to a prayer time and i'm not sure what to pray about my prayers get really bad like they're, they're not really focused on anything. I, I, I give those general blanket statements, like keep them safe and, and give them right. opportunities and love them. You know, whereas when I have specific needs to pray for, and I know in, in India, we're building a, a bakery right now. They're building a bakery to, to take out and, and help uh, three or four orphanages have bread and all that. I know to pray for that bakery. Hmm. And those those opportunities. Uh, when I'm looking in in Dubai right now, and I know that they're worried about the government coming down tightly on their on their uh, churches, I know exactly what to pray for for that. Mm-hmm. And for me, it might shorten my prayer, but it focuses my prayer, and it does it for all the people in our congregation. So that when people come in to church, they ask, "Hey, how did that situation work out?" Hey, mm-hmm. what's going on there? And so I think it helps a lot. And, and you're right, Jerry, it's a lot of work, but I got a good team with me. Uh, I got uh, a lady in our church who loves the prayer team, who loves the prayer ministry, who writes up the prayer emails. And she's a great job. She's published a book. She's a great writer, uh, but she just has this heart for it. And, and together we create a template that we send to our missionaries. And then I have, I actually have a teenage girl who wants to, mm-hmm. who has a heart for missions, who want to get more involved. She's doing my video editing for me. She wow. put in a, an intro and an outro on the end of it, and she's doing the editing. And if we have a missionary who can't get us a video, she's going to take the info. If they can send us the info in an email, she's going to put the video together. And so mm-hmm. if I had to do all this myself, I couldn't do it. But right. man, finding those other people in the church who have a passion with me. It, it, uh, so then you say, what's the payoff? The payoff is, man, our people know our missions. 
Uh, you know, we have 15 missions we support here at the church. And I'm going to tell you right now, our people in our church are not all passionate about all 15 missions. That's not, how, sure, people, right. that's not how people work. Right. But most people in our church are passionate about one, two, or three missions. Mm-hmm. And if we can get those missions out in front of people, they can get passionate about that and really care. I, I mm. don't expect everybody in our church to be able to list all 15 missions like I can. But boy, I want them to know one, two, or three. It's, it's one of those things. You know how it is in a large church. You say this, you hear this phrase all the time. You can't know everybody, but you want to be known by somebody. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That's the way I'm looking at missions here. I don't expect everybody in our church to know everybody, but I want our missions to be known by somebody. I want some mm. champions. I want some people to love those missions so much that they care for them and they want to make a difference for them. And if you're not taking the time to give them the specific information, it's not going to happen. Nope. And it's and it's more than just information, right? You're you're taking the time to make these missionaries relatable. You're taking the time to ensure that these individuals are be are being prayed for, and, and that and that you are doing the best you can to ensure your people are endeared to what these missionaries are are going through uh, overseas. I mean, that's a big deal. That's why I asked the question. I said, "This is a lot of work, but the payoff is is so fruitful." I mean. You've got you've got someone that wants to be involved in the missions ministry, and she says, "Hey, I can edit videos, and it's going to make sure that the stories of our missionaries are heard in such a way that our people can relate." Exactly, and and so with that, uh, and I think video is extremely important. Like I know that's the extra work or the extra push on that. There is something completely different, Jr. That if I write something that says, "Here's what's going on in in my mission," or our missionary has their face on your screen and is telling you what's going on. There is something, there's a connection that is made there. When I can see someone's eyes, I'm connected. And then the other cool thing with the video is you can do other stuff with it. We've, and we've already been talking about this. So we've been sharing it as a, as a prayer email. We now have that video we can share it in our services. If we want to do a missions moment in our service, uh, for mm-hmm. those who are on the prayer email, we can take those videos. We can share them on our website or share them in an e-newsletter. And we have all sorts of different ways to get that info about our mission out to, to those to pray for them. Hmm. Dude, that is that is becoming strategic and intentional with their local and global missions. That's guys, folks, this is what it taught this is what we mean when we say, what are you doing specifically to move your people from Sunday morning seats to local and global streets? This is one of those tactics. Being intentional with your words and your time and ensuring your people have the information of how to pray and then what the church is doing to support these individuals. Because then, like you've talked about before, they want to go overseas and they want to be alongside them. Not to slap paint on walls and not to swing hammers, but to see, to experience, to encourage, and to pray for these people that they've already have a basis of a, of a, of a relationship with. And that's when that's we start huge. seeing lives change. Yeah. So you mentioned Serve Saturdays. You mentioned this idea of being focused on June and making things available. Where did, where did that come from? Where were some of the, what were some of the pitfalls or some of the things that you've tried before that maybe didn't work so well? And then what did Serve Saturday do in order to teach people how to serve and what they can do for their local communities? Yeah. So where we were at was we were doing uh, international mission trips. We were doing uh, like day trips to our, 
to our local missions around here. And we would offer those every couple months or whatever. And we were seeing that there are just so many people who could not commit to that. They can't, they couldn't commit to leaving for a week and going overseas. Right. Or they couldn't commit to going on a, on a 12 hour, excuse me. Uh, they couldn't commit to going on a 12 hour day where right. we're leaving at 5 a.m. and not getting back to 5 p.m. because we're going to work all day. They couldn't make that commitment. And, and I know the, the first thing as ministry, in ministry we can say is, well, they need to make a commitment. They need to make a sacrifice. Well, sure, but that's where people are at. What are we going to do? And mm-hmm. so as we were talking here, we thought, what can we do to get people involved? And some of those steps are too big of steps for somebody's next step. Sometimes somebody's next step is just to do something for two, three hours. Mm-hmm. And so with those next steps, how can we offer those that are close enough that we're not taking up somebody's whole day? So the surf right. Saturdays are a nine to noon type thing. And they're all within 30 to 40 minutes of our campus. And we have people meet here. We drive out there, we do the work and come back. And uh, with that, that's something where people are giving up a, a half day, which is still a big step for a lot of people. It's a commitment. E- yes. But along with that, we wanted opportunities where they could bring their kids with them. We mm-hmm. wanted opportunities where they could partner with life groups or, or with ministry teams or opportunity, different opportunities out there. Like I, I've mentioned to you, you know, we have one in, the, in downtown St. Louis that's working with inner city youth. And we have one working at a camp and we have one at Righteous Rides where we're working on vehicles and we have one where mm-hmm. we're working with horses. And I'm telling you, JR, I am not passionate and excited about all of those different spots. Right. But I know there are all different opportunities depending on where you uh, do have a passion and where you can get people plugged in. And, and by gathering those in one spot, and what I mean by that is Saturdays in June, it gives right. our people something to aim at, something to focus on, and it gives them that first step in the door on missions and realizing that they actually enjoy serving other people. Right. And it also allows your people to be intentional about putting those things on the calendar. Something regular something that they can count on to know that this is coming up, right, is going to be huge for them to be able to put that on their family calendar and then start to work around their schedule from that. Yeah, so. and we did we did it for the first time last year in the midst of COVID going, oh, man, it's COVID. Right. June, what are we going to do? And now I'll throw it out there. I know we have listeners from all over, and Missouri is definitely looser. And right. have sure. it. But we had like 80 to 90 people last year for our Serve Saturdays throughout the month that it went and served somewhere. Uh, wow. To me, that was amazing in the midst of COVID. That, that's awesome. I mean, kudos to that. And you're able to build on that and move people through that pipeline. Because what, folks, what, what Randy's talking about is a missions pipeline. It's about creating on-ramps into serving and moving them from one place to the, another place, which is the end result being a fully trained, discipled individual who then goes and makes disciples. I mean, that's a missions pipeline, of being able to create an on-ramp of one hour one day or one week into missions so they they can then take on a lifestyle of being a disciple who makes disciples. So Randy, that brings up, a, that brings up a topic that I, I wanted to kind of quickly touch on. And um, is, is that you and I have talked uh, quite a bit about uh, some, some missions frustrations, right? Um, couple, about a month ago, I was able to come out and lead a six hour you know, a workshop with Randy and his missions team through uh, a training that I call becoming a high impact missions team. And we look at the six steps on what uh, a high impact missions team is. And then we, 
we we put into practice the first three or started the first three. So, Randy, just tell me a little bit about some of the frustrations prior to that weekend uh, of that made you say, hey, I think we need a little help thinking strategically and intentionally about missions. And then what are what is what is the outcome? What have you seen? What is the energy of your missions team now after that after that workshop? Yeah, so I'll say as a missions team, uh, we've come a, a long way in five years, and and I've loved working with this missions team. And and as we were talking through it, we kind of got talking about how as a missions team, we we just kind of kept supporting the missions we support, and why? Well, because we support them, and how we just kind of kept sending money to places where they needed it, and that we weren't doing anything bad, but at times we felt like we were locked up from doing anything significant or or impactful that we saw come mm. up that we might not be ready for. That's and, huge. And so as we talked through it, we were like. What do we need to do to get even more focused? What do we need to do uh, to to laser in on what we need? What we need? And and I'm not uh, a huge proponent. And I know some churches are doing this where they're they're only going down to two missions or three missions totally that they support, and that's okay. Right. Uh, that's not what we want, but we want to know why right. we're doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And so our our frustration was we didn't have a lot of answers for when people asked why. It was just mm-hmm. kind of a, well, we kind of do this. And this is kind of what our gut says we should do. And this is how it feels right. And it's like, okay, we need to to be able to quantify that and put that in. And so we were feeling this frustration. And I'm, honestly, as I'm feeling, I'm like, I don't even know what to do or where to go. And, and my thought was, you know what? I've been talking with JR and I'm seeing his podcast and his stuff. I'm just going to ask him if he knows anything about this. And so <laughs> JR, I know you weren't looking for this, but I'm, I'm going to give you a plug here of, I contacted you and you're like, yeah, I actually uh, do this workshop that we go through of what it means to be a, a high impact missions team. And you were willing to come out. You're willing to invest in my team and, and put this extra time. And it's made a world of difference already. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I saw how our team at the workshop, we had great times where we could separate and do some individual thinking, but then also some amazing collaborative discussions and where we got to really have a healthy debate and push each other. And it's really cool caused our team to think just a little deeper about why we're doing it, to take a little more strategy into what we're focusing on and to ask the difficult questions that nobody really likes to ask on a missions team. Mm -hmm. And with that, it's allowed us to keep growing. Are are we there yet? Nope. We we still have a lot of work to do where we're we're trimming off the fat, we're we're focusing in on on where we need to be and, and we're stretching ourselves. But it allowed us, that that workshop allowed us to get some much needed discussion started that's going to allow us to have such a bigger impact than, than what we were having before. And it wasn't that we were having no impact. We just were having a haphazard impact. Mm. And, and so now to be able to understand why we want to invest into something or what we're looking for, it gives us that opportunity to plan for that, uh, to prepare for that, and then to execute it. And, and that's either financially, that's through prayer, that's through just having our people be ready. You know, you, you bring up this idea of, of, of haphazard impact, and, and, and I, I appreciate, uh, words can't express how much I, I uh, appreciate, you know, that, that, that uh, positive review and, and, and the impact that God is doing through this church coaching to, for your church and your team i mean that's my heart is to see churches have the conversation to be to be asked the the you know specific questions and to be given the language in order to move their uh, people from sunday morning seats to local and global streets but you bring up this idea of haphazard impact and i i think 
I think you're on the right track with that uh, by calling it good, even though it's kind of haphazard. We're still making good impact for the kingdom. We're still supporting missionaries financially and through prayer. Uh, but oftentimes when someone walks up and asks those hard questions like, why? Why are we supporting these missionaries? Why are we doing missions the way we're doing? You know, why are we doing Serve Saturdays in June, only in June? With with having an those conversations and coming back to what I would call your core convictions, you're able to answer that question. You're able to come with an answer to the question of why, just like you just brought up. Well, why do we do this? Because it's strategically a part of our pipeline so that we can provide one hour, one afternoon, even one day of service so that you can start to work these serving muscles and to grow from there, to go from one day, one week, one month and institute that into your pipeline. I, I think that's some, uh, I think that's one of the places where every church struggles is this idea of haphazard impact and not knowing why we do what we do. Uh, yeah. And, and again, God's words, not going to come back void. It's, it's going to be, uh, there's going to be a positive from it, but true, I think true. we do that because we don't want to have the hard conversations of saying somebody might be doing a better impact than others. Uh, mm. We don't want to have the hard conversation to say, maybe we shouldn't support this mission. Uh, when, we can easily say it's good. And, you know, just a quick analogy. I, I coach my son's 10 U baseball team. Mm -hmm. If we get together for practice every, every week and we just play baseball for an hour, all those kids are going to get better at baseball mm -hmm. from playing. It, it just is going to happen. But if we can focus in on drills and specific things to work on in baseball, they're going to become better baseball players quicker. And sure. same way with, with church life and, and our missions, we're, every missionary is doing good work. Mm -hmm. And when you hear what they're doing, you're loving it. And it doesn't mean they're doing it bad. And when you're just haphazardly giving money, it's fine. But if we can focus in on, on why we're giving, if we can focus in on what we're uh, built to do, where our passions and convictions lie, we can quickly have a bigger impact. Exactly. And sometimes that impact is our people yeah. uh, giving their lives to go live cross-culturally, to advance the gospel with ears that have never heard the name of Jesus before. And, and that is a dream come true for every pastoral staff is to see their people go into action Amen. locally and globally. You know, you don't have, you know, I don't want to make, a, a, you know, you know, fantasize, you know, going overseas as a missionary. There's so many unreached people groups here. There's so many things you can do here in the United States to advance the gospel. But just seeing our people on mission and living strategically for the advancement of the gospel is just is just huge. So, Randy, before we wrap this up, I, I, I do kind of want to, you know, give you this next question. And, and, and in 30 seconds or around 30 seconds, and I always say 30 seconds, uh, but I remember uh, a couple episodes back, I think it was 14 and 16 with Pastor Britt Wendell of Daybreak Church in Kenosha, Wisconsin. I, I, I told him, I said 30 seconds, and I even prepped him before because I know preachers can preach. I said, can you give me 30 seconds of the next step? And I timed him. I think it was 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll so that. I'll so in that. 30 seconds, in 30 seconds, can you tell a church who's listening to say, hey, we want to do these things. We want to, you know, get specific uh, about how we train up leaders in, in our lead lunches and how we are able to create a pipeline for, by, by doing serve Saturdays and, and, and how do we instruct our people to pray with, uh, with, with greater information and knowledge of our missionaries. If there's a church that says, I want to do something like that, what's their next step? Yeah, I, I'm going to give you a 30 seconds of four quick steps. One, right. 
understand where your strengths lie, where your weaknesses lie, and where your needs are for your church. Just have a quick, honest conversation about that and figure that out. Two, find good people to partner with you. If you're trying to do everything on your own, you're not going to make it. You know, the reason our, our prayer stuff is working is because I have I have some awesome people with it. The reason our lead lunches are working, I have some awesome people working with me with that. Mm. Uh, three, don't be afraid to fail. Mm. You're going to try something that isn't good. Uh, we've tried some stuff to get our mission stuff out there. It wasn't good. It was bad. Uh, and so we stopped doing it. But don't be afraid to fail. And don't don't be afraid if it's not your idea. Some of the best ideas that we have are not mine. This whole prayer email thing, this was from the lady who loves the prayer team. And she's like, let's get our missionaries to do this video. And my first thought was, they're not going to do a video. It's been amazing. <laughs> it's been great. Wow. You know, and so I trust them. And then four, uh, follow through just trusting God to lead. True. You know, if something's mm-hmm. good, keep going with it. If it's not working, stop it. Uh, we got to stop being afraid to fail mm. and, and just go. Uh, I've met very, very, very few people who said, I don't ever want to follow that person because all they do is mess up. Oh, yeah. But I meet a lot of people who go, I don't follow that person because they're not going anywhere. Oh, that's heavy. And so just go, you know, find your strengths, find what you love, find some people to partner with you and try it. Yeah, that's heavy. That's big deal. And I appreciate the wisdom on that. Uh, and, 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 and Randy's right. We, we, sometimes the, the hardest and the longest road is putting the right foot in front of the left foot and getting started. And then the road becomes a little easier to walk. So, Randy, I appreciate you taking the time to sit and talk. Um, one, just a personal encouragement to me and for us to hear more about what you guys are doing at Winsfield to be strategic and intentional with your local and global missions. That is a big deal. And I appreciate you taking the time to sit here and to pour into the other pastors that are listening to the Seats the Streets podcast, my friend. Well, thank you, JR. It's been fun. Uh, thank you for all you do. Again, I'm telling anybody listening, uh, the the building a high-impact mission team workshop is phenomenal. Uh, he did not ask me to say this ahead of time or give me any money, uh, <laughs> but it is phenomenal. If you're looking to stretch your mission team a little farther, uh, contact JR on that. And dude, I'm just glad we're, we get to, to do this mission together and to uh, keep impacting the kingdom. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to coming out again soon. That's uh, that's going to be great. I need more of that barbecue burnt in sandwich. Oh my goodness. I have, I have, I have set uh, for countless times and sitting here for lunch going, wish I had that sandwich again. <laughs> that was, that was really good. So, all right, folks, that's all we have for today here on the seats of streets podcast. I hope that you have been encouraged and equipped in order to move your people from Sunday morning seats to local and global streets. Coming up next week, Brian and I continue our conversation about becoming a laser-focused church. I appreciate you all tuning in, and we're good. Randy, take care, buddy. See you, Jack. You have been listening to the Seats to Streets podcast, a conversation centered around moving your people from Sunday morning seats to local and global streets. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.